musical makes me feel like I'm a part of something bigger. My favorite business show. Hands down, the best B2B sales and marketing podcast. The ultimate resource for salespeople. George makes me want to conquer local. An authentic entertainer. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Here's George Leaf. This is the Conquer Local podcast, a show about billion-dollar sales leaders, marketers leading local economic growth, and entrepreneurs that have created their dream organizations. They want to share their secrets, giving you the distilled version of their extraordinary feats. Our hope is, with the tangible takeaways from each episode, you can rewire, rework, and reimagine your business. I'm George Leith, and on this episode, we welcome Annette Blaylock. Annette worked in the media business and media sales for almost 20 years at large media organizations like Spectrum and iHeartRadio. She wanted to start her own business, so she launched a digital marketing agency and did that in 2021. We're going to talk to Annette about the challenges of being an entrepreneur and her very lofty goal of getting to a million dollars in revenue sometime in 2023 and how she convinced her husband to come out of retirement to help her with her growing and scaling business. Annette Blaylock is coming up next on the Conquer Local podcast. Ron Burgundy's favorite city, San Diego, California, and Annette joined. Did you know that, Annette, that you are living in Ron Burgundy's favorite city? I did not, but I can understand why. <laughs> I was just there a couple of months ago. I actually really enjoy uh, San Diego, and I'm happy to have you on the show. We went through your your bio in the in the introduction, but I I wondered if you knew this that you and I are both media sales professionals um, in in our histories. I did, actually. I listened to your podcast, so. Oh, there you go. That's great. Everybody listens to the podcast. Well, I, I was super excited to to get this time to ask a bunch of questions because, um, you know, when I look back, um, you, you started your business and had left some great organizations that you worked for previous, but, you know, what was the, what was the catalyst to just go out on your own? I've always been an entrepreneurial type, and I think a lot of salespeople are um, in sales and marketing. So throughout the years, I, I've had some great experience in corporate, but I saw a big piece of the puzzle missing, especially with clients and getting results. Even though we were able to drive traffic to their website or whatever, or create these wonderful campaigns on TV and radio, um, a lot of times that they didn't have a good website or they were missing attribution um, setups. So they always didn't know where the traffic was coming from or the, the traffic just didn't convert because they had a bad website. Yeah. And, you know, and it's so interesting because I, I probably have said this a billion times. I'm sure that uh, producer Colleen has the exact count, but over the years, but you should, if you could own the customer's website, you, you control, you control the marketing plan. And where I wanted to go with this is if the organization that you're representing in the case of, of you and I both coming from previous media organizations, if it's not on the rate card, then, then you can't offer the website component. Was that your experience in your past or, or how did you come to this point that I, I really need to be able to give them a lot more to help them with the problem? Right. 
And I think that came in when, when the digital marketing space was brand new and we were starting to sell other digital products besides the traditional channels that we were offering before. And so once we, we learned and got more into the digital marketing space, I was able to see, wow, we can offer so many other things. And, but that piece of the puzzle of the website was a big component that was missing. And, um, you know, and also integrating all of those other apps with the website so that it can make everything work and we can have a full 360 degree marketing plan for them. And that's why um, that's what I'm involved in now. Well, and, and it's great that you brought that up because that, that 365 view is really important. And, and I've even and I wanted to, I wanted to interrogate this finding that I have. I, re- I remember during COVID, I had this customer and um, friend of mine and I got a call. They need sales training. I'm like, oh, okay, I got time. I'll do some sales training. But what I found was it it wasn't actually, they did need sales training, don't get me wrong. But what it actually was, was a new journey for their potential customers. And they weren't considering the entire journey of, of even discovering them on the website. Their social media presence was horrible. Their, they weren't even in, interacting with Google My Business yet. People were speaking to them on that virtual doorway. So that, you know, the 365 component it is a real big piece of that. So of the customers you have today, the question I wanted to ask, what percentage of them do you control the website? I would say if I don't, about half, uh, we build half of their sites, but the other half, I do have some control because I have uh, backend access and I have access to their Google Analytics. So you got the website piece, we've got the opportunity to offer more products and services. And with these clients, if we were to look at basket size or the number of things that you're helping them solve problems on, like are, is it website, social, advert? Like, is it five things? Is it eight things? What what sort of level are you getting to when it comes to how many problems you're solving? Well, I'm trying to solve as many problems as I can, but usually the strategy is that we we have a discovery call and we kind of look at the website and see what pieces are missing, especially when we run the um, snapshot report. So once we view that, we're able to see areas of opportunity. And then we, when we put together a program that addresses each of those areas of opportunities in every single stage of the customer journey. So that could mean maybe if they have a bad website, let's start them with, with a website redesign. And then, you know, social media management, reputation management, um, you know, active campaigns or, or some sort of CRM uh, solution. And so, and then paid advertising, of course, because that's the background I come from, but usually with the paid ads, like uh, social ads, Facebook ads, TikTok ads, radio ads, TV ads, and so forth. I, I, want, I wanted to ask that, that question. So thank you for leading me. This. I have so many notes and there's so many things that I wanted to ask. When, when, you were, when you were working for those large media companies previous to starting your own organization, how... How many times was it, you know, advertising consultant? Like it was, you know, your title was around just ads. Well, that's mainly what my title was. So we would, when, when I was working at corporate, we, we visited with the client and just basically did a detail analysis and, but we're only able to offer like a TV or radio package. Right. So it, it very, I guess the point I'm trying to make is very ads heavy. So the client saw you as an advertising consultant, not as a, 
as a digital marketing consultant. So how did you make That's that correct. switch? Because you know you, you're you're able to offer everything now in in the role that you have today with your own business, and you're able to go out and find great solutions. How did you make that switch? Well, I had a client that um, came to me and said, you know, Annette, I really like what you do with the radio, and but what else can you do? What else can you help me with? And so I had developed really good relationships with our clients, and at some point, I saw the jump and opportunity to jump as a freelancer or uh, as a solopreneur and help that client more in depth with their marketing. So that's how I started. I left corporate and started on my own in that, in that way. Was there a period where you, you were tired of, you got to a point, cause I, I know I've heard this from others. It got to a point of, it sucked to say no. <laughs> like, you know, they say, I've got this problem. Could you help me out with it? Well, I'm not really able to offer that. Where, did you feel some of that? Well, um, yes, absolutely. And, and sometimes I would refer them to, if I had, um, if I had someone I was networking with who was a web designer, for instance, I would refer them to that person. So I would develop a referral network as well, but that's as far as I could go. Right. And you know, it's the, it's the lead club breakfast. We all like those, right? Because you went to go to breakfast and somebody was there with, you know, maybe they were a paving company and they could tell you all the new parking lots are being made. And then you run back to the station and put in the book that you want that lead. You know, we, we all did that. I'm sure. Um, how many of your customers that worked with you at the large media organizations came with you when you, when you started your own thing? Actually, one. I had one car dealership that came um, in on board with me. And then after that, I just started getting referrals. Um, I started networking and getting new customers that way in various forms, whether it be through a referral partner or um, just me um, cold calling on my own. And and in that cold calling, though, it, it was people you were familiar with or was it <laughs> was it Greenfield? Like we're just in a brand new area. We're going to go find new customers. Right. So I started, I say co-calling, but it's sort of a warm call. So I joined the chamber and I joined some networking groups. And then I started um, connecting with those people that way. Just say, hey, I'm part, of the, I'm part of the chamber. I would love to talk to you about your marketing and so forth. You know, and, and I'm really excited that you said that because I, I know I work with lots of folks that are building their own business and they, they really think that they can go buy a lead list. And there's some magical piece of technology that will make money happen in the middle of the night. You, have you ever found anything like that? Because I'm sure I could, pro- you and I could both sell a lot of that if it existed. Yes. No. Um, <laughs> the the cold, cold traffic is really hard to convert. So let me ask you about this sale because I could see it in the notes that the team put together. I guess you had another sale that you had to make when you started your own business. And that was to convince your husband to come out of retirement because you couldn't handle all the customers that you were getting. Exactly. So that happened about a year ago. Um, you know, I was, I had a, a book of business and I found myself really struggling trying to fulfill all of these um, deliverables for our clients. And I just was working a lot. <laughs> I'm still working a lot, but in a different fashion. I wanted to say congratulations on that pitch, because I don't think that if I was retired, you could convince me to come out of retirement, but uh, good work on that, getting Ron uh, to help you out in your business and congratulations on the scale. So the other, I I just love this in the notes, you're going to get to a million dollars sometime in 2023. Uh, That's the goal, right? Absolutely. So the one thing I really learned well when I was at corporate was, 
monthly and quarterly goals and meeting, you know, those expectations. And that really, you know, if I have it visualized and planned out, that really drives me to succeed to the, towards those goals. And I took that practice into my own business where we do have a salesperson in-house and we get together and review the monthly and quarterly goals so that we can, how many people we have on the pipeline to meet that number. And um, so that's kind of where um, where that came from. So the, the science that, you know, you learned in your career that if you put these goals in place, and I'm, I'm glad you're bringing that up because the successful organizations where we have solopreneurs that have been born out of corporate previous opportunities, if they bring some of that rigor with them, they, they got a hell of a lot better chance of getting to the goal. And, you know, a seven figure company, that's no small stretch to have built that, especially part of it you're building during a bloody global pandemic that nobody saw coming. But let's talk about, aside from the goal setting, what are some of the other tactics that you are deploying to achieve that $1 million in, in, uh, annual recurring revenue? So I take that goal, basically, let's just say it's X or $100,000 in a quarter or whatever that may be. I'm just putting a num- a simple number out there. And we just work backwards. Well, how many people do we need to close to get that? And then I go up the, the pipeline, you know, well, if I'm closing four deals to get to that a month, then you know, how many people do we need to talk to or pitch? And how many people do we need to call, reach out to, to at least do, schedule those appointments or schedule those discovery calls? So we 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 have a process that we go through. And then um, we just, every every step of the sales pipeline has, has goals and KPIs. I'm always fascinated to talk to entrepreneurs like you that have come from organizations that have this built-in rigor around pipeline, numbers, that, you know, they're just, the whole the culture is all built around that. Um, so now you also have, you got to bring your husband, Ron in, you've added a sales hire to help you drive even further customer contact. Um, who is the ideal customer profile? Well, you talked a little bit about automotive earlier. Is it just automotive dealers or, or where are you going to find these clients that like working with your organization? Right. So even though my husband and I both uh, have automotive background and me, you know, pitching to automotives and he was a former auto dealer. Um, we are really specialized in local businesses. So, you know, we get involved in our community. We join the chamber. We network with others in the local community. So our, our um, plethora or our book of business mainly deals with, you know, just local business, local IT service providers, HVAC companies, uh, service companies, professional services, attorneys and such. And how we differentiate ourselves is that we really network and, you know, or try to get customers in our, where we live and work. Um, There's a lot of companies out there that, you know, want to, want to reach out to somebody in New Jersey from San Diego. And, you know, for me, that doesn't work. Well, and so the hyper-local focus that they got to be a local business, you're using the chambers and, you know, you, you obviously have a networking background because some people you go, yeah, go to this event. You don't know anybody. Um, and you know, have a beer and maybe start to meet some, it just gives them anxiety and they can't do it. So you, you had that skill question I have when you go to talk to these new local businesses, whether they be referrals or maybe somebody you've met through a networking event, how do you overcome the 
are Annette and Ron going to be in business in six months? Like when you're starting something brand new and you're not representing a big national brand, there, I think there's always a little bit of anxiety in the, in the customer's mind as to, yeah, this sounds great. Annette and her company, they look amazing. Will they be here down the road? How do you overcome that uh, un- sometimes unsaid objection? Well, it's, it's difficult because our space, our digital marketing space has some bad players, kind of like there's some bad plumbers and there's some good plumbers. And so I think that the way we overcome it is our background. We have uh, over 20 years experience in digital marketing and advertising. Uh, We rented an office space. So we're here entrenched in the community. We're not going away in six months. Um, You know, so when we talk to them, we, you know, we talk to them very casually about their business. And then we offer a free snapshot report. And so after we review that, we invite them to our office. Sometimes we do it virtually. Sometimes we do it in-house. Well, and I think I know the answer to this, but I'd love to hear it from you. What what does that snapshot report do to help build that trust? Like, what are you hearing from customers when you present? You know, and, and, you know, snapshot is a Vendasta product, but really what it is, insight space selling. You've done a bunch of research with that tool. You found out some things. What what's the what's the thing that really tips them by using that tool? I think a lot of them are, some people are surprised and some people are not surprised. And they tell me, yeah, I haven't been doing a good job in digital marketing. I have to really get into the 21st century. And so, you know, we just kind of review areas of opportunity and we don't really talk about tactics. We just kind of casually mention how social media can improve this or that, or how reputation management can really get them listed you know, in several directories on, online, increase their visibility. So, you know, it's just a casual conversation. Then we ask some questions. We ask them, you know, what is your biggest challenge? And we do a dis- uh, like a mini discovery call with them. How open do you find these customers to share? You know, I, I work with a lot of different partners. We, we do some calls, we ask some questions, and I hear some of them saying, yeah, it's really hard to get them to open up. Um, it's really hard to, to do that needs analysis sometimes. How have you been o- able to overcome that, to get a customer to, to open up to you and really share where they are in their journey of, of digital transformation and, and taking advantage of the amazing opportunities with digital marketing solutions? I think that Snapshot Report does open up um, an opportunity for the customer to say more about their business. Whereas if you were just doing a straight discovery call, it would be a little bit more difficult, especially, you know, if you're asking open-ended questions that that opens the space for them to speak about their business. But I think that having that tool in front of you and just going over step-by-step and listening to what they have to say kind of builds this trust factor, immediate trust factor. I see in the notes from the team when we were getting ready to, to have this conversation, you've been able to achieve 90% retention of your customers. How? Like that, that is an unbelievable number and congratulations. How have you been able to get keep 90% of those clients? Thank you. Um, well, we stay pretty close to them. So every month we schedule a um, monthly review where we review all of their campaign performances, how they're improving online, where we can do a better job. So we're in constant communication with them, not every day and sometimes not every week, but at least once a month we have that sit down where we spend maybe 
45 minutes to an hour and reviewing their marketing. So thank you. And I love that you're saying that because so many times I find that organizations that are struggling to hit their revenue goals, um, it's because there's, there's a leaky bucket there. And it's hard enough to find a customer once, <laughs> um, much less to get somebody that you can retain and then to ignore them um, means that now you got competitors that are selling to them. You've got uh, maybe budget constraints happening and they're not seeing the value on a regular basis. Um, so, you know, you're doing the hard work and at least once a month you're talking to the client. So I'm glad that you're saying that. I, I've been saying it for a long time, but I'm glad that I'm hearing from you that you're having this success. Now that here's the, the catch 22. I'm wondering if you're experiencing because you have to communicate with these customers on a monthly basis and because you have to stay close to them to maintain that 90% retention rate, are you having issues in scaling and coming up with components that can be repeatable? Sometimes. Um, it, de it depends on um, exactly what it is. It could be um, the way we do our proposals or the way we book discovery calls. But yes, it's getting to a point where, you know, we might have to hire a second salesperson or you know, we recently hired a project manager to manage some of the, you know, scheduling part of it and reporting. Besides getting Ron to come out of retirement, your husband, um, what was the catalyst to make the decision to hire a salesperson? Like what, why was it salesperson first uh, and then project management? I think that's the, the way that it came together. It's funny you should say that, George, because I wanted a project manager manager first and not a salesperson. And, you know, Ron's coming from, you know, managing big auto dealerships. He's like, let's get a salesperson first. And he was absolutely right. So we hired a salesperson and then we were able to backtrack into a project manager after that. I don't know. Again, I'm sure you will. Tell me if I'm wrong on this, but is it because you both reached the agreement that you didn't have the processes dialed in yet and you wanted to do them yourselves? Now we got more time, so we've got a sales rep, and we can now really dig into what we're delivering to the customer and see if we can we can find a repeatable process. Was that where you were, you were headed with that line of thinking? We had some repeatable process, but hiring a second a salesperson really improved upon how our processes work. So because we had that goal in mind, like X amount per month or whatever, we the only way to achieve that because I was tapped out and I had no project manager is to hire a second salesperson. Now in the interim, that second salesperson was doing both project management and account services and sales. But now that we hired a project manager, we've been able to move that task over to this person. And so the salesperson can focus more on selling every week. Annette, when you started in the media business and not as long ago as me, by the way, because you're way younger than I am, but you started in the media business, I'm sure the training was unbelievable. Like you just went in, spent like six months, you went to this university, they trained you on everything, you got manual. It was unbelievable. Is that true? It, it, there was a lot of training, but there was a lot of useless training too. <laughs> so when I got, uh, the, the corporate minutia exists. <laughs> well, and I, I'm, I'm joking around this because I don't think any company really has their training dialed in. But the, the reason I bring it up is now you hire a sales rep and it's you and your husband that have started this business from scratch. 
how were you able to train that sales rep knowing that we all have had bad experiences in our past with less than ideal training uh, programs? Exactly. So I spent a lot of time with this person going through, um, you know, just different processes, what our process, ideal processes are. We went through phone scripts. We, we practiced them. We, you know, we, we trained them on our CRM and on our platforms. Uh, we watched training videos on how to deliver a snapshot report and all of this stuff. I mean, it took about two weeks worth of training before I actually sent them out and started making calls and introducing themselves to the community because I wanted to make sure they were um, they were confident in what they had to say. Uh, we and also I, I trained them on over, um, overcoming objections, but I didn't want to burn leads either. Well, it's it's interesting the the genesis and then the story of how you got to where you are today with this organization and you know to get a rep up and and running and proficient in a very short period of time speaks to the the skill set that you bring to it that's that's for sure and congratulations on on all the success and you know for what you're telling me that that million dollars is is definitely within reach with with what you've been building i i would love to give you the last word though and with this question we've you know you've been at this since 2021, when you decided to leave corporate, start your own thing, hang your shingle out there and be an entrepreneur and live the American dream. Um, if you could do it over again, though, what's one piece of advice you would give to other entrepreneurs of, yeah, I just wouldn't have done that one thing right there. I'm doing it all myself. I would have really gotten some sort of support, whether that looks, and, and for every business, it looks differently. Um, for some people, it looks like, it, it looks like hiring a VA or, from others, it might be the support of a of a spouse or something. It's just that you know, it's just it gets overwhelming. I get um, overwhelmed with all of that I had to do, and I would have gotten help a lot sooner. But I'd love to interrogate that a little bit more, if it's okay. Is it the loneliness of being an entrepreneur, where you're out there fighting the the battle by yourself and not having people that you can, especially coming from a corporate world, you were on a team and you had resources that you could reach out to. Is it that loneliness, or or what are you what are you referring to that it would have been nice to have? Is it the workload? Like what what are the what's the item? It's for me. I mean, I'm. I'm sort of an introvert or extrovert, so that collaboration was a big missing piece in um, in what I was doing and trying to fulfill um, client deliverables. So the collaboration, the uh, assigning of um, mundane tasks, not mundane, but you know, just tasks that other people can do, so I can focus on bigger picture. That would have been a lot more helpful. No, and, and thank you for that. And it, I, I see, I see the trepidation of saying the word mundane, but at the same time, what I've found is there's a whole bunch of people out there that want that work and, and value that work and bring a lot of value to the organization. So I, I agree with you. And, and a VA is not that expensive to get somebody to just take these eight things off your plate so you could focus on the customer. That's uh, that's great advice. And thank you for being so um, open and sharing in your journey because um, I that's what we try to do here is to provide content and provide great guests like you for our audience that maybe can give them ideas or give them concepts they haven't thought about or maybe be the catalyst for them to start their own thing and and be their own boss. And, and it's a very inspiring story that you've told us about the success 
success that you have had along with your husband in building Insights Media Solutions from back in uh, April of, of 2021. And we wish you all the best on, on your way to that goal, that uh, wildly important goal of $1 million in revenue sometime in 2023. I, I'd ask this, Annette, will you, will you just send us a quick note so that we can uh, announce the audience that Annette hit her million dollars? I would love to be able to do that at some point and congratulate you. Absolutely, George. Thanks for joining us on the show today and uh, have a great day. Thank you. Annette had me at a million dollars. No, she had me at 90% client retention. That's one of the measurements that you want to have on how successful your business is. And when you have 90% client retention, it's time to pour gas on that fire and maybe hire some more people and take the processes that you've built and start to scale them. And then you've got a hope of getting to the million dollars annual recurring revenue. And keep in mind, Annette and her husband did this in 24 months. And I'm telling the truth in advance because she hasn't quite hit that milestone, but I'm sure we'll hear soon from Annette and Ron that they got to that number. So here's a couple of takeaways as to how this power duo has been so successful in building this business. The first thing, website. If you control the website, you control the client. We've said that a million times on this show. We've had numerous guests that have told us that to be true. And now we're hearing it once again. That's the first item. You can't just buy a list of leads, put them out there in the ether and hope that you'll make money in the middle of the night. It's not a thing. It can be something that can help you find new customers, but it's not the only thing. And Annette and her team have went back to the old tried and true. Let's go network. Let's meet some people. Let's go to the Chamber of Commerce. We're focused on hyper-local anyways in the San Diego market. So where can we find a bunch of business people that are hanging out? <laughs> Chamber of Commerce is a great place to do that. And I love that she's using that approach. Then she's using some technology that shall go nameless to show some insights to the customer and build that trust and rapport that they know what's going on and they have some insights that can help that customer improve whatever state that they are in today. And then they layer in the products, services, and tactics, but, and a big but, they always make sure that they follow up with the client. They're very close to their customer. I can't tell you the number of times I've talked to people in this space and I'm, I'm like, so what's your retention rate? nowhere near what Annette's is. And I ask another question, how often do you talk to your clients? Ah, once every six months. Yeah, it's no wonder your retention rate is so low. And it's also no wonder that usually the answer that these clients give me is, yeah, and I don't get a lot of referrals. The reason that you don't get referrals is because you're not doing a great job for your current customers. <laughs> so why would they refer you to a friend? And when you're at networking events, you don't get that network effect because when people ask your clients that are in the network event how great of a job you're doing, they say, ah, oh, well, I never really hear from that company. So I love the fact that Annette leaned in on that and said, at the very least, we talk to our customers at least once a month. That, that is the bare friggin' minimum if you are going to be successful and build your own startup to a million dollars in recurring revenue in 24 months. Like you just don't have a hope if you don't follow through on that client service customer service? Yeah, really. It's that basic, but a lot of people don't do it. 
Thanks to Annette Blaylock for joining us on this episode of the Conquer Local podcast. And if you liked Annette's episode discussing scalability, let's continue the conversation and check out episode 527, Scaling Your Business with Jason Herman. Or episode 448, Rewiring Your Brain and How to Navigate Opportunity with Kathy Paterni. Please subscribe and leave us a review. And thanks for joining us this week on the Conquer Local podcast. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast presented by Vendasta. Guest discovery by Zoe Schneider. Marketing by Rory Lawford and Nicole Lozon. Produced by Suleiman Adam. Executive producers Brendan King, George Leith and Colleen McGrath. Recorded at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.